I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Apologies accepted. The podcast. the podcast. And I am not Theo. And I am not Juliet. I'm not, I'm we not, not, I'm not. We're not each other. not each other. Today I want to know what's shaking bacon. Um, well, what's shaking bacon is a couple of things. <laughs> one, have you ever gotten one of those uh, spam text messages where it comes through with a Never. name? Oh, wow. I've been getting not a no, ton of them. of course I have. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Patrick, have you thought about doing whatever? Yeah, Is that what right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I had one, um, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and it was coming from Mrs. Sexy was the name, right? <laughs> and it said something like, hey, I've been thinking about you, right? Oh, yeah. And so I do like to fuck with people yeah and it didn't occur to me that this was a bot right oh i see um but you know whatever so um uh-huh. i replied back and i just said i'm gay right and then uh-huh. i got a reply to that which was what that mean right <laughs> what that mean uh-huh and so i was like oh great this is a real life person and so i said it means i'm a police officer uh-huh nothing i didn't get anything after nothing. that yeah that but the they were the like they, they didn't care so i got one um last week and it was from eileen and it said and this was pretty good it said um i lost your number at the party how the fuck are you texting me if you lost my number <laughs> I mean, come oh, on. Um, who would that work for uh that i i got the zip so um I thought about texting back and saying, oh, great. I'm really glad you sent me a text. Where's that money you owe me? <laughs> but I didn't. I stopped. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I would say that's what Shake and Bacon, except I went to a party on Friday night. with you went about, to a party? I did. Well, it's six Unsafe. people, but anymore, that's uh, that's a party. And, yeah. Uh, six people. Yeah, everybody's va- I know them all. Everybody's vaccinated, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um but still, yeah, kind of, kind of unsafe. And we were hanging out, and I knew we were going to be doing our our episode today. The subject, which I don't, why am I yeah. keeping a secret? It's in the title. So, um, <laughs> so I knew we were doing Aquafina and cultural appropriation. I was like, I'm going to ask people because you know I have my ideas, but I want to oh, I want to flesh them out a bit. And you know, everybody at the party was going to be my age, so it was like I kind of already know where they're going to fall yeah. on the spectrum. But maybe the, an idea will come out of all of this that I'll be able to use. Whatever, it's a springboard. Were they right? all? Were they all white? And everybody was white. Yes. So okay. there was that. That so did white not Gen Xers. even occur to me. A couple of boomers. <laughs> couple of boomers. A um, couple of boomers. Okay. But you know, it, it people whose opinion I I value. So it was like this. This will be fine. This will be great. Uh-huh. I got to the party 
and somebody's granddaughter was there. Hi, Gen Z, looking right at you. And so oh, she cool. was talking to me, like she was talking to me. And, uh-huh. um, and I, great conversation, really fun. She was telling me about a trip to Europe. And then just sort of out of nowhere, I said, can I grab you and can I take you outside? Because I have a lot of questions I want to ask you about cultural appropriation and your stance and your thoughts. And for three hours, we talked about so much. And I am going to say that for anybody who is afraid of the future of the world and mankind and people are assholes anymore. And um, let me tell you, we're going to be okay she was uh-huh. so thoughtful, so insightful, so wholeheartedly interested. And at one point, she even said, unprompted, and she's 21, right? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know that I should be answering these questions. Uh, you should really be asking a person of color. But right. I could get, and I was like, you know, when I was your age, that would never have occurred to anybody. Mm. It just would have mm. been, here's what I think. Right. And Never would we have thought like, oh, well, maybe we're not the most informed. So um, so she gave me a, a lot of really cool little uh, thoughts, suggestions, ideas that I'm going to throw out. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what you think about them. Um, okay. So, yeah. So that's kind of that. And then uh, my last bit is, guess who is number 220 on the comedy charts in Ireland? What? Uh huh. Apple Podcast. Hi. Really? Hi, Dublin. Oh, wow. I know. 220. That's amazing. Which is amazing. <laughs> We're 149 in Indonesia, which means that no. Indonesia loves us more. Um, oh, that's awesome. In Italy and Israel, you guys better just like step up to it. We're not on their charts at all. What other country starts with an I? Oh, I, that's how you're doing it. I was like, where are we getting Italy and Indonesia? <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I could tell that looks... Like, in, in fairness to you, everything I say is fucking random and out of left field. So <laughs> if it wasn't obvious, it's because, oh, yeah, funny. it's never obvious. Um, we have to go We have to go to Ireland. Maybe we could do a tour. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, let's do that. Do you want to see the... 220th most popular comedy <laughs> podcast live. Somebody Here might. We are. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I'm yeah, ready to go when you're ready. That's all I got. Uh, what you got with shaking bacon? Nothing. Um, except good news, I've lost a couple pounds, which if you remember last week, I was complaining that I'm on this this program that was costing me all kinds of money and I wasn't losing any weight. But the good news is that I lost a couple of pounds and I also got the medication covered by insurance. So it's not going to cost me $850 a month. Thank heavens. Um, so that's good. Um, yeah. And that's really all I've been doing. I've just been as usual working my butt off and, and, uh, sleeping. And this, this week I did watch, um, as I mentioned to you, I watched Crazy Rich Asians, and we can talk about that more in the podcast. But I uh-huh. actually enjoyed that experience. I didn't. I remember when it came out, and I had a friend who wanted to see it, and I was like, "No, I don't want to see that." But I should have gone to see it. It would have been. It would have been fun. So anyway, at least I got to see it last night at three a.m. Which is probably a great time to see it because when you do no things mid sleep cycle, um, uh-huh. they could feel impactful and so so yeah thing i don't know i find when i do things like it 
if I wake up and I do something at 3 a.m., it sticks with me the next day. Oh, interesting. I'll have to pay attention to that and see if that's true for me, too. Yeah, if you, like, read an article, you can remember more of the article than... I mean, for me, for for me, yeah. like, you know, if I would wake up in the middle of uh, the night and go study for a bit, yeah. then, like, bang, that shit was stuck in my brain. Gone now. Uh, who cares, Theo? <laughs> Let's talk about Aquafina and cultural appropriation. Aquafina. Yeah, so Aquafina started her career as a rap artist. Um, I have to say that I had heard of Aquafina before all this, but I didn't really know who she was or anything that she had done, So, except I think I knew that she was in Crazy Rich Asians, but... Um, other than that, I, I didn't have any idea. So all this is new information for me. Uh, in 2012, the first thing that she did, I think, that brought her to fame was she uh, released a, a YouTube video of um, a song called My Vag, which was a parody of a song by Mickey Avalon, whoever he is. Is he famous? Do we know? I was hoping you knew. It sounds like he's uh, a, I have no idea. a rap guy. Must be but... somebody. He made a song, video, whatever, called My Dick, which I watched too. Uh, and oh, fine, how was that? Whatever. Oh, just what you'd expect. Did it feel uh, like he was a, a rap? I should have Googled him or something, but I just didn't, right? Did it feel like no, he was an really actual rapper. rapper? He's just some dude. It's okay. just like basically some dude. I mean, it's like a, a novelty song kind of. And then like hers is too. Um, and her song, her video, My Vag, um, they say that it it's complete with her Asian gangster alter ego, which I guess she created um, in her youth. And I'm, I'm imagining that she's kind of shy and kind of introverted, and she had to create this alter ego to start doing some of the things that she wanted to do to get famous. And that's how she uh, became famous, and now it's sort of bit of backlash we'll get into that too um but she became popular in the mainstream i guess after um portraying P pike lynn in the global hit film crazy rich asians in 2018 which seems like a really long time ago now uh and she played the main character's best friend who's a singaporean woman who has a black scent and when i saw the movie i didn't really notice the black scent that much which is Did you interesting have any thoughts on that i did not so i saw Crazy Rich Asians on an airplane on my way to Scotland uh -huh. for Christmas 2018. No, probably mm -hmm. not 20. Oh, 2019. And, um, and let's see. Now I'm remembering it wasn't Christmas. It doesn't matter. I saw it on an airplane going over to visit my yeah. in-laws. And my mother-in-law loved rom-coms. Like, that's all uh -huh. she watched. Romantic wow. comedies. I have to spell it out entirely. I can't say rom-com. I hate that. And... Um, uh -huh. I was I loved the movie on the plane and the black scent did not hit my radar at all. Um Yeah. And in part that's probably because I I have a sense that some countries and some countries, right, uh black culture is is huge. Rap music is is huge uh -huh. in other parts of uh -huh. the, all across the world, right? But that people emulate um American culture and pick up the things they find fun. And I'll say foreigners, uh, non-U.S. Non people. Mm -hmm. Why am I defining what a foreigner is to you? And um, mm -hmm. so I just probably stuck it in that bucket of, yeah, that, that makes sense. I could see somebody in Singapore adopting an urban street slang style of speaking English because it's fun and they, they want people to know just how keyed into American culture they actually are that they know that this is a dialect and this is a way to speak English. Um, uh -huh. 
you know, so whatever. Uh, Love the movie, got off the plane, and I was like, oh my God, May, you have to see this movie. You have to watch it. And we watched it, and she did not like it. And I asked really? her at the time. Yeah, she was, I, you know, I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, it's fun. And and we were watching it the very next day. And that's not typical of me and movies anymore. If I see something I like, great, I'll watch it again in a month, maybe. Um, yeah. And no, it was over. And, and I, I was waiting for the praise. Thank you for bringing this movie into my life and for showing me what a great, charming little film it was. And she just didn't like it. And so I was like, well, is it because they're Asian? And you feel, uh-huh. that's immediately where I went to. Um, and sure. you feel like you can't relate to that. And she was like, uh-huh. no, it was just kind of long. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. There you go. Sure. But yeah, so so I loved it. The black set didn't, didn't tick my radar. And if it did at all, then as I mentioned, I just put in that, that bucket of this is a thing that happens in other countries pick up street slang or or you know some i didn't even notice the slang i mean i didn't notice her as being particularly slaggy and maybe i just just accepted it and just moved on but i don't know if it's because i watch a lot of tiktok or i i I don't know i mean maybe i'm not noticing people using a lot of slang because i hear it all the time on tiktok but uh, but I'm surprised because you know I was watching the movie specifically to watch her performance, and I still right. didn't. I got I got sucked into the movie, and I still didn't really notice that she was using what is called uh, by some people a black scent. So I thought that was really odd. I'll have to watch it again and like ac- actually like uh, drill down into her performance. Now pay attention <laughs> to the thing you originally were watching it for That's to right. pay attention to. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how so, that goes. So. What is a black scent? So Mickey Kendall, who's an author and diversity consultant, says black scent is a term describing the fake accent racist and cultural appropriators use when they mimic black people. Black people have accents, but we don't all have the same one. And yet somehow those two groups always use the same accent when they imitate black people. Um, Maybe. About... The performance, yeah, I don't know, about the performance of uh, Aquafina and Crazy Rich Asians, culture critic Lauren Michelle Jackson wrote, Pike Lynn's flirtation with black vernacular, along with the character's general swagger, clinches the case, and another buzzword enters the frame, appropriation, a word that now commonly connotes knowing cultural theft. I guess the character did have swagger, but I don't know that I thought that was particularly black. Maybe that's, again, me just being ignorant. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that what that I'm not saying anything, but just observing. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, yeah, and and maybe I don't know. Maybe I just you. Maybe what am I going to say? I'm I'm. See, hi, hi. Let's talk about something <laughs> different. Let's not have this conversation at all. Okay. Okay. Let's great. talk about Aquafina some more. <laughs> no, um, I think it's that thing of like maybe. Maybe the stereotype has to be even more pronounced for more it to obvious. be on my radar. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe. I, the offense I has don't to know. be even greater for us to notice because uh, maybe we're so used to it uh, that it, we're just not tuned tuned in as much. Or, or I don't know. I mean, um, I I have a variety of friends and people in my life who aren't friends, but they're there anyway. Who. Uh-huh. Who 
you know, some are urban, some are very, very urban. Um, and, and everyone's got a different mode of speech. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll just say like, I didn't put Aquafina's uh, performance in Crazy Rich Asians into a, into a category that f- was like, whoa, what are we doing here? Who are you? I guess it's just part of the whole. So uh, Aquafina has built her brand apparently on caricatures of black life and culture, uh, including according to Keika Araujo, Araujo in Black Enterprise noted that uh, that her caricatures include a sassy black girl. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Approach uh, and and the black said, um, but she has uh, Aquafina has not. Um, really said anything about it when people have called her called on her about it so i i know that when she was in what was that maybe shang chi somebody asked yeah. her about it and she sort of vaguely answered that oh you know i'd like to talk about it more um it's very comp- complicated i guess was sort of her response um and some of her fans defend her saying that she developed the accent due to her childhood growing up in queens but her hometown in queens was mainly white and asian and her high yeah. school was only nine percent black i'm so gonna it seems call like, bullshit on that yeah, yeah. It seems like that's kind of bullshit. So and um, I saw uh, a thing um, in Twitter, which I felt was probably true. And that is that the people who were rushing to Aquafina's defense are white people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so true. it's white people saying, I mean, who knows, right? Because it's Twitter. You don't know the color or the, or the culture of the person people. who tweeted. But it probably is white people that are like, well, you know, whatever. And, and yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, with the point you're making that it's white people defending someone they perceive as being unfairly doing something attacked they themselves might do. Yeah. Um, and uh, Aquafina's use of, of Black Center or AAVE, which is African American Vernacular English, was inconsistent. Uh, leading people to further question its authenticity. Alyssa Shotwell for the Mary Sue observed that Aquafina, quote, changed out of AAVE on occasion, dropping the vernacular while doing press for her award-winning film The Farewell in 2019. All of a sudden, she dropped the AAVE just in time to contend in award season, Shotwell wrote. She made it, and she didn't need to hold up a facade anymore. She became Nora Lum again, which is her real name, Nora Lum. Right. And, you know, I'd love to see her address all this uh, more directly. I know well, she, she I know she did on Twitter, we, but we'll, yeah. We will get into that, it, the apology or the, whatever it is. That's the, the whole point of our show. That's right. That's uh, right. But, you know, I'd, I'd love an explanation that, and here I'm going to create the explanation. Aquafina is a character in the same way that um, Borat is a character of, I'm already forgetting right. his real name. Right. And that the accent is part of the character of this Asian American urban girl. Sure. Okay. I could maybe buy into that. Um, But I haven't heard that. Borat, what's his background? He is British. Uh, He is, is he Israeli British? I mean, is he, is he, Borat's supposed to be what? Russian? Oh, Ukrainian or something, yeah. And he's not Russian. The Sasha Baron Cohen or whatever his name is is it, not Russian. It's a may as well be Russian, but it's more like Kyrgyzstan. Is that where he's from? I think. Kyrgyzstan. Okay. Kyrgyzstan. Some somewhere. It's a real country. They're actually 
proud that he's um, used oh them. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, that that makes everything more complicated. <laughs> he's their number one export. <laughs> well, you know, that, none none of us is easy, and we live in this outrage culture at the moment. And for some things, yeah, I get outraged, and for other things, it's like I don't understand why why we're outraged. And this cultural appropriation starts to get into this area where it's like, yeah, for sure, I can see there's some outrage here, but then then I have questions. And and a lot of the questions are, as somebody who wants to be an ally and be supportive of, of marginalized people, I want to make sure I don't accidentally do something that's culturally inappropriate right. or cultural appropriation. Right. And right. it's not... Or that if you do, you know, you realize it and you make an apology, right? Yeah, or, and I can fix it or I can, I can be like, no, fuck you. I <laughs> Speaking of no fuck you, um, Korean-American screenwriter William Yu said, it puzzles me that Aquafina still has not acknowledged how she has used black culture to her benefit. This refusal to own up exacerbates audiences, that's a weird use of that word, exacerbates audiences that want to support her. A statement is not career suicide. There will be no boycott. Why refuse the chance to demonstrate empathy? So, um, yeah, I mean, she's apparently has used this facade i guess this imitation of black culture to get to where she is and now that she has gotten there she uh, does not use it much anymore she doesn't use it in her comedy show or her, her didn't use it in her comedy show Nora from queens um and she didn't use it in the latest film that she was in i think which was a disney animated film called raya and the last dragon which i don't know anything about um which got her the nomination for an naacp image award for outstanding character voiceover performance, which is surprising. Um, although the award is not exclusive to black people in Hollywood, the nomination upset many people as, of course, they believe that her career was built on mocking black people. And she has said that she won't do Asian Asians. She won't do accents that mock yeah. Asians. I refuse to do accents, she said. I'm not okay with someone writing the Asian experience for an Asian character. Like, that's annoying. And I make it very clear. I don't ever go out for auditions where I feel like I'm making a minstrel out of our people. What an interesting choice of words. Well, right. One, an interesting choice of words. And then two, this is where things start to get a little more complicated for me personally, because uh-huh. I I could say, well, yeah, great. You created an urban character. Um, maybe one could even use the word caricature of, right. you know, an Asian American blah. Uh, do these types of people who speak that way, Asian Americans from an urban environment exist where AAVE would be a very natural speaking mode. Yep, cool, absolutely, right? So maybe that's what's going on. But then that statement, so um, that's where it's like, okay, we're getting a little hypocritical there. Uh, Exactly. Before, uh, I want to round that out uh, a little bit. So I'm looking for this bit. Um, that statement comes from an interview in Vice magazine or Vice website <laughs> from 2017. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we'll just start with their opening paragraph because I think it really encapsulates the, the rise of Nora Lum's career and then to the question that led to that answer because um, there's an important part that gets left out of that quote and mm-hmm. and for me, add some nuance. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll just we'll dive into it. So this is from uh, Vice 2017. The reporter was also an Asian woman. 
To say that comedian, rapper, and artist Nora Lum, known by her stage name Aquafina, is on the come up is an understatement. Lum started rapping while she was studying jazz at LaGuardia High School, and in 2014, the video of her song My Vag, a response to Mickey Avalon's My Dick, went viral, kicking off her rap career. Since then, she's released a full-length album titled Yellow Ranger, is the host of her own talk show, Talk, T-A-W-K, wrote a book about New York City, was featured in a 2016 documentary about Asian-American rappers titled Bad Rap, and became a major Hollywood actress. And then there follows a series of Q&A. It's pretty standard stuff. What's it like to be famous? Aren't you so surprised? Yes, I am. Um, Question. Are there any rules that you wouldn't accept? Answer. I've walked out of editions where the casting director all of a sudden changed her mind and asked for accents. I refuse to do accents. And I'd like to think so far, like a lot of the other parts I've gone out for, they've been really real characters and being Asian is not a part of the plot line. I'm okay with having an Asian aspect if it's done in a genuine way. I'm not okay with someone writing the Asian experience for an Asian character. Like, that's annoying, and I make it very clear. I don't ever go out for auditions where I feel like I'm making a minstrel out of our people. So what I'm liking there is this bit of she's auditioning, open call. She walks into Uh a room to read Sally Jones, best friend Uh of the main character, and the casting director sees her and says, oh, God, could you do this with a Chinese accent? Well... That's not how the character is written. And that's when she would say, yeah, no, I'm going to not do that. And I'm going to leave. So, okay. For me, that's, that's a little different than the last line of the quote, which is really the poison in all of this. I don't ever go out for auditions where I feel like I'm making a minstrel out of our people. So I get the, the angst, the anger of, oh, I walk into a room and all of a sudden I have to be, um, you know, Madame Fu and put on mm-hmm. some Chinese accent. No, thank you. Uh, but then on the other hand, it's also, well, yeah, but yeah, there are right. using so this done? accent here that's not yours. And, yeah. and for a while there, I totally bought into the whole, oh, she's from... Queens and she probably grew up in a real urban environment and, and then, you know, diving in, it's like, no, no, she didn't. Yeah, not really. Not at all. Not, no. a, not a bit. Only 2% of her friends could have been black. That's <sighs> yeah. That's how math works though. 2% of the population <laughs> in her neighborhood was black. Therefore only 2% of her friends could be black. No, I got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she, uh, after she was nominated for the NAACP award and at the end, at the start of Black History Month, interestingly, mm. she diverts the attention to herself with an apology. And I will, I will read the apology. So um, she said, there is a socio-political context to everything. And this is a Twitter apology. So famous Twitter apology. Um, there is a socio-political context to everything, especially the historical context of the African-American community in this country. It is a group that is disproportionately affected by institutionalized policies and law enforcement policies, all the while having historically and routinely seen their culture stolen, exploited, and appropriated by the dominant 
emphasis hers, culture, for monetary gain without acknowledgement nor respect for where those roots come from, the pioneers of its beginnings, and the artists that perfected and mastered the craft. It is a problem we still see today, though some may pass it off as a convoluted mixture of the internet TikTok slang generation that liberally uses AAVE. Did I skip something? No. Um... Though some may pass it off as a convoluted mixture of the internet TikTok slang generation that liberally uses AAVE to add that hip-hop, a genre of music that is ubiquitous and beloved across the country, has now anchored itself as a mainstream genre in music history. And in life, linguistic acculturation, immigrant acculturation, and the inevitable passage of globalized internet slang all play a factor in the fine line between offense and pop culture. But as a non-black person of color, I stand by the fact that I will always listen and work tirelessly to understand the history and context of AAVE, what is deemed appropriate or backwards toward the progress of any and every marginalized group. But I must emphasize, to mock, belittle, or to be unkind in any way possible at the expense of others is simply not my nature. It never has, and it never was. My immigrant background allowed me to carve an American identity off the movies and TV shows I watched, the children I went to public schools with, and my undying love and respect for hip-hop. I think as a group, Asian Americans are still trying to figure out what that journey means for them, what is correct and where they don't belong. And though I'm still learning and doing that personal work, I know for sure that I want to spend the rest of my career doing nothing but uplifting our communities. We do this first by failing, learning, acknowledging, hearing, and empathizing, and I will continue tirelessly to do just that. I so really like want mm-hmm. I was just going to say, it seems like she, she's trying to make it seem like her her adoption of the black scent was really just her adoption of mainstream culture, what has now become mainstream, and that she doesn't apologize in the first place. So as as looking at it from the perspective of an apology, it's not going to do very well because there is no apology. Um, she does say that, you know, it's not her intention to hurt anybody or whatever, but that's her intentions are not irrelevant, but less important than what she did. She should be aware of what she's done and she does not seem to be aware of what she's done. Right. Or she should be able to answer in a way that, uh, that justifies her understanding of why it was okay for her to do it, right? Right. Give us the reason why you did it, and then we can say, that's stupid and you're horrible. Or we can say, oh, okay. But, I mean, that's when you can have the conversation. What what she's done is um, touch upon it and put up a wall, delete her Twitter account. And I get it. Twitter's not the place to go in and have conversations twitter's the place to go in and and tweet and get well, upset her her statement it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense at some points nope. like she starts to say something and then obviously tries to say something else and it gets all confused and she doesn't really make the point that i think she was trying to make um so it, it's it's confusing and that does not help it and importantly she also doesn't use any slang in there here's somebody yeah. who's perfectly capable of Right. Using standard American English, uh, non-accent, well, slight accent, but, uh, you know, like Northeast accent. Um, right. So, yeah, I've heard an interview with her because um, I was curious as to what's, what's her real voice like. And mm-hmm. 
And I'll say she's a very thoughtful, very insightful person who values her family and her uh, her sanity was the word she used and then sort of brought it out to be like uh, her, her mental health. And so there's this crazy thing, as we know, being 220 in the comedy charts in Ireland, that right. instant fame can be yeah. a real mind fuck. Um, yeah, yeah. And instant totally. fame with a lot of money. Well, I don't know how much money she got, but more than she had, right? Uh-huh. Instant fame with a lot of money is is life changing. And then there's this thing of, oh, I'm famous because everybody likes me. And then what do you do when all of a sudden it's like, oh, God, people aren't really liking me because of the thing that I did that got me all the attention. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know, that'd be very hard to work through. But in her interview, she was saying that, um, and it was with, um, uh, oh my God, it's completely right out of my head. Um, Terry Gross. No. Uh, oh God, I would love for that. That's an interview, right? <laughs> um, it was a comedian. It's not. Uh, can't, Mark Maron. No, no. He's black and, and I've, oh, it, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Kevin Hart. Okay. Kevin Hart. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, so Kevin Hart was interviewing her. And, and they were having this conversation about like, oh, fame and oh, blah. Um, and this was pre-Black Scent stuff. But importantly, he didn't bring it up. Interesting. Yeah, I know. At, at the time, uh, it wasn't even with Aquafina there with him. Um, it wasn't even a thing to ask. And, Do you know uh, when that interview happened? I don't. I should have okay. looked at it. Curious. Um, it was on Apple podcast and I could, I could find it if I looked it up, but you know, then I have to do two things at once and <laughs> talk and type. No, not going to happen. That's okay. Um, but, uh, I was really impressed with her concern around keeping a normal life happening in the face of this whirlwind of fame and attention and cash. Yeah. Because I don't think I'd be that person. I think I would be I like... I what a normal life would look like in the face of fame, attention, and cash. I guess it... Well, so what she said was um, she had noticed that her dreams always involved being in some sort of a casino, hotel, airport structure. And she's walking yeah. from one point to the other point, but she can't get to the end point. She's just constantly in uh-huh. motion. And so she'd spent a year traveling and on the road and... She said she realized that she was really missing her grandmother and her father. Her mother died when she was four years old. And so her grandmother is the primary female influence in her life. And that she she recognized that she needed to prioritize them. I see. More so than traveling and touring. And so that's when it was kind of like, what what am I doing? So she's self-aware. Is the point I think that that we could put up on a chalkboard, right? She's self-aware, um, so and I, I, you know, on one hand, on the show, it's like we really are only rating the apology, but on the other yeah. hand, it is sort of also like, well, you know, the the thing that happened is also important, um, and gets I don't know, it doesn't get rated, but it should be thought through. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this, okay. 
take cultural appropriation, right? Let's put Aquafina to one side. We can come back and rate her apology. So cultural appropriation, what is it? I'm sorry, what did you say? What is it? What is it? I had a glitch in my computer. Um, I do have a definition of cultural appropriation. And if I can find it, um, it's gone. Huh, yeah. Hold on. Well, right. And it's, it's that thing of this is called filler. I'm real good at it. Um, I found it. <laughs> we all know it when we see it, but then there are degrees. Right, right. right? So what, what is it? Cultural appropriation is the inappropriate or unacknowledged adoption of an element or elements of one culture or identity by members of another culture or culture culture or identity. This can be controversial when members of a dominant culture appropriate from minority cultures. So if you're going to limit it, I have read that it does not it is not limited to members of a dominant culture appropriating from minority cultures. And if you do think that it is, then the question comes up because she's a person of color herself. Is it possible for her to appropriate another culture in this negative sense? Um, she, and that leads to the question, well, which is there a hierarchy of cultures, so to speak, you know, with like Ooh. white on top being the dominant culture? What's the next dominant culture? And, you know, if you're appropriating down or are you appropriating up, so to speak, is it OK then if you're appropriating white culture, if you're not white? Um Obviously, the and, well, I, I get to what is white culture. I mean, it's I well, get I mean, it's I mean, everything. Yeah, do we even have white culture? Yeah, right, right. Because right. then you know, is it French culture or German culture? Which white are we doing? Um, right. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I like that point of putting a val- well, not a value, but a ranking on cultures, and um, it's all power. That's exactly what it is. It's who has access mm-hmm. to power and who doesn't have access to power. And when somebody who has access to power gains more power by using tools, uh, whatever, language, dress of another culture that, that that's already being stepped on. Right. Then, right. Then there's a problem. Then that's the problem. The problem, according to... Kirsten Johnson says that um, the imitator who does not experience the oppression of the other culture is able to play temporarily a, quote, exotic other without experiencing any of the daily discriminations faced by other cultures. So um, if you're appropriating and fetishizing cultures, it alienates the culture that you're appropriating and it does harm to it, which is interesting. Yeah, and um, I like that question of is Aquafina slash Nora Lum a, a capable? Not capable. It, it, is she appropriating culture so she because she's a woman of color? Right. Well, I, I guess mean, all I, of that. I don't know what the answer is, unfortunately. And you brought up earlier whether it's cultural appropriation to eat pasta. And right. I well, don't know and the then that's that either. that slippery slope. Yeah. So I've got a I've got a list. It's a short list, okay. right, okay. of things and you and just things to think <laughs> about, right? Okay. And, and what I want to be very careful here is to let the listening audience know I am not building a case for approval of cultural appropriation. Um, okay. But I think it's a it's a gray area and it can it could get real slippery. So. Pasta. Is that cultural appropriation? I'm not Italian. I love making an Italian dinner. 
full I mean, on Italian you, dinner. Are you appropriating the culture and avoiding? Well, maybe. Well, it's interesting. So, are you avoiding the negative stereotypes of that culture, um, and the and the oppressions of that culture? So, uh, at this point, you, you can't really say that Italians are oppressed, but at a point in the past, you could have said that. So, at that point, people were eating pasta that were not Italian. Was it cultural appropriation to eat pasta at that time? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I would say no. Right now, it's like okay, that's instantly off the table. It's like oh, you're being silly, Theo. Stop it. That's the gut reaction. Yes. Chopsticks. I always use chopsticks when I eat Asian food, as I told you in pre-show. I love Asian food, and I love using chopsticks. It's super fun. I don't use chopsticks when I eat Italian food. I think depending on how it's used, it could be considered pretentious by some people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I get accused of that a lot. (laughs) Um, But as far as cultural appropriation, I don't think so. I don't think there's harm. And and maybe the the not intention, but the actual harm is something that should be considered when considering whether something is being culturally appropriated. And, you know, it's only the pretentious part that that was like, oh, my God, that alarmed me. The, if somebody was like, you're appropriating culture, it's fine. They're chopsticks. I'm, I'm happy. I do it at home alone. It's fine. Straight I out of chopsticks. the... I eat with chopsticks, too. I mean, it's fun. That's why I do it, you know. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, only... But I Asian never food. thought about being pretentious. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little precious. Um, okay. So hair braids and going from cornrows to any type of a hairstyle that is specific to a culture. The Swedish people have that braid they wrap around their head. Not all Swedish people, but you know what I mean. I think if it's if it's using the hairstyles that are traditionally considered African American, then it would be cultural appropriation because you're you're stealing down. Like I was saying before, the hierarchy mm-hmm. is coming into play there. But with the Swedish people, I mean, those are about as Swedish people are about as white as you can get. So um, I wouldn't necessarily consider cultural appropriation to braid your hair around your head. Okay, all right. That's and, my feeling. Oh, oh, totally, get, totally get it. And uh, let's see, how about, so then we start getting into dress, for instance, that horrible reboot of Sex in the City, um, which is called And Just Like That. There's some episode where Carrie Bradshaw, the main character, dresses in an Indian outfit to celebrate Diwali. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, but she's Diwali. invited to an Indian family's house or, or something, right? Yeah. And, and her best friend that no one's ever up? seen before helps her pick out a sari, and her friend is Indian. So it's sort of like, well, this is okay. Well, if you're invited right. to participate by a person of that culture, then clearly it is not cultural appropriation. Okay. That's my feeling. Yeah. All right. I, I'm i with you there. Um, as somebody who comes, I don't come from a Scottish culture, but I'm married <laughs> to somebody from Scotland, and uh-huh. my family is... Scottish American, largely, right? And kilts, fine. Not like I've ever worn one, but uh, I wouldn't be freaked out if somebody was wearing a kilt. It right. it just it wouldn't bother me. So dress, right. but again, also, I the Scottish culture is not being oppressed by right American culture. I mean, maybe by anyone. Know, by anyone, right? I don't think. Uh, unless you talk to a Scottish Maybe person, the then they English. would tell you there's too much American influence. Um, <laughs> okay, so dress, maybe. Then we get into speech. And 
borrowing other dialects. For instance, hello, Juliet, how are you doing today? Shine your shoes, Governor. Hello, hello. Nice day. So, nice to see you. Hello. That could I'll do be considered punching down in some respects. But, oh! Um, <laughs> but it's clearly a white culture. So um, I don't think I don't think a white person can appropriate it, and I think if a black person imitated it, it probably would be seen as um, mocking. But I don't think it would be cultural appropriation. Hmm. Okay. All right. Interesting. Hmm. Um, okay. And uh, and that's sort of all I have, right? I mean, we could move uh, into like art forms, and uh, but I don't right, know enough about. Right specific cultural pottery styles to say if you flip a vase and do a little I, what do I got right nothing um so so yeah I mean for me it really does feel like the issue isn't cultural emulation or cultural appreciation it's it's that are you using something that doesn't belong to you that you're being rewarded for? Right, right. Particularly, are you getting something out of it that you wouldn't otherwise at the expense of that other culture? Right. And, and that thing that you're being rewarded for, would another person who, who belongs to that culture, would they be punished for it? Right. Right. And right. so, the, you know, true. the short answer is, yeah, that, that that's where this is starting to get kind of like, oh, sticky, not not looking good. Aquafina. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... I, I wish she had a better apology. And, and after her apology, I guess she got a bunch of criticism. So she left Twitter. She kind of stormed off of Twitter, um, which is unfortunate because she had said that she was willing to discuss it, but she really does not seem to be willing to discuss it. Well, in fairness, a discussion on Twitter, you know. Yeah, yeah, magnitude. statement. For yeah. sure. She totally could have come out with a better statement, and she's got enough money to, and I'm not sure. Hire uh, someone to do it for her. Yeah, or at least help her craft it, and and maybe somebody yeah. did, but I it would not have gotten past my desk, and uh Right. The lowest bar there is. Like, you know, <laughs> if I'm saying bad, it's uh, come on, honey. Um, yeah. Uh, should we rate it or? Yeah, let's rate it. Rate the apology. What do you give it? Uh, it's a good solid one. Uh, is it a one? Are we going to give zeros? I guess we can do whatever we want. Yeah, I give it a zero. Whatever you want. Yeah. I, I give it a one. Um, I like Aquafina. I like her a lot. I like Nora Lum. Yeah. Um, I think that she will come back and address this better. And maybe, I don't know if the NAACP award has been given or if she's, if, but you know, that would be a fantastic place to address this issue. Um, That's a good point. And to offer an apology and to, you know, publicly recognize that, uh, the world is unfair. I benefited. It wasn't mine to benefit yeah. from, and I'm sorry. And then to stop doing it. That's the important thing. Yep. She'll and to, to stop, stop doing it. Being Aquafina, which is kind of a risk. Mm -hmm. um, Change the accent. I guess. 
Well, I think I think she's done enough um, non Aquafina roles to sort of okay. She you know she's got some she's got some chops as we like to say in Hollywood because I'm such a part of Hollywood. (laughs) Um, So you know she'll she'll do all right. You think she'll survive? Yeah. Oh yeah, I I think she'll survive. And actually, it's how you know you made it. The minute there's a controversy around you or what you've been doing, it's like, oh my. People are paying attention to me. Too much attention now. So we're participating in Aquafina's fame. We are, but we are participating by knocking her down and dragging her. <laughs> so that's so, a 0. 0.5 out of 10 for the apology. Uh, uh, so in all of this, I am. Are you sure about that math? Yes. Did you use a pen and paper? No, I could do it in my head. Or a calculator. How? You're which? <laughs> which? Uh, so I did listen to a podcast uh, at the party when I was talking to the fabulous Gen Z girl, right? I mean, wow, she was great. It, it was like, it was like talking to you. I remembered <laughs> all, everything about being 21 while I was talking with her. Right. Uh, all the feelings, all of the excitement of the world, all the ideas, all the questions. And yeah, and none of her, stu- none of her insight, none of her thought, none of it was stupid. You That's know, great. it was like, wow, I hadn't thought of it in those terms. She she awesome. had one where she said um, that she wasn't sure if she would consider it code switching, but she'd noticed that she changes her pitch when she's speaking with men as opposed to speaking with women and that when she's speaking to a man and she wants something, the octaves go higher. It goes up. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, we got into, I mean, that never would have occurred to me at all. Um, hair Mm -hmm. color, dyeing her hair. Right. So she is blonde. Oh yeah. Was she's, uh, I think she's a natural blonde, but anyway, uh, she had blonde hair and then went dark. Right. And I just see. that whole experience. And, you know, then the question became, well, brunettes don't have a culture. We make it. Um, <laughs> is that cultural appropriation? Is that taking some, a hair color? You know, oh, doesn't belong to you? Well, I know. I mean, no, not really. But but then, yeah, yeah. Um, because you're doing that one because you want to. Right. right. But you're also doing that to promote a res- promote a result which is whatever your expectations are around, if I have this hair color, this is what's going to happen to me. And usually that expectation goes with brunettes going blonde and suddenly the world's uh, going to get easier and everybody's going to find you sexy and you're going to get a lot of attention, right. which is what you want, you ugly brunette. But you, that doesn't happen at the expense of blondes, though. Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't know, right? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, you don't but, harm other blondes by going every, blonde. <laughs> Every blonde joke that I have ever heard is running through my head right now. So unfair, but we'll skip that. So, you know, probably not cultural appropriation there. But yeah. then um, then she said that she's noticed that women who denigrate other women in front of men in a, in a, yeah. in a male-dominated situation, right? Yeah. Are doing that in, in her viewpoint, which hadn't occurred to me at all, um, because... By doing that, by denigrating other women in front of men, you're playing into misogyny and being 
hopefully accepted into the male group by the, yeah we hate women too get over here lady so right. you know it interesting but unfortunately you'll never be accepted into that group and the misogyny is always going to be pointed at you no matter how much you denigrate other women so it people try to do it but it never works wow i didn't i just didn't even know that was a thing i mean it makes sense <laughs> that it is a thing i but like yeah. it was the first, not it's the first I'd ever heard of it. First I ever realized it, and and whatever with all of that, um, I did find all of her points really intriguing and interesting. Um, she sounds very cool. Oh, she, this whole podcast could be about how cool she was. Is she's still alive? <laughs> um, and then she recommended she when we got on to podcast right, uh-huh. and she said. Hey, uh, have you heard of this podcast? And I was like, apologies accepted. Yes, I have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which was you're wrong about. And I was like, yeah, of course. I. Oh, yeah, I know that one. You think I think I was born yesterday. And uh, as she said, (laughs) they had done one on Ebonics. And I was like sold. And I listened to it yesterday. And I learned so many cool things about Ebonics. And so this idea that AAVE and ebonics right is yeah. a lesser form of english that belongs to lesser people grows right. out of of course white dominant cultures view racism. of black people and racism and yeah. so um there was a there was a school district in oakland in the uh, in 1996 that applied for a bilingual federal grant because most of their students 52% spoke with a black American dialect, right? I remember this. I was here at the time. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, this would be a lot yeah. more on your radar. Um, and so the entire country went mental. Um, there they were 2,500 newspaper articles. So pre-internet-ish. I forget if 1996 there were computers yeah. flying around. but um, And... Oh, gosh. And there was another big thing. Oh, which was more than the O.J. Simpson trial. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, wow. And and kind of what, what came out of that was in the educational system, black children were more often than not put into special education classrooms based right. on their language use that it seemed that the child could not understand past tense. It seemed like the child did not understand how to use plurals, right? Um, Whatever, just just language stuff. And so random bits uh, that I thought were really cool that I still remember. Um, In AAVE, there's a, the use of the word be, be, state of being. Yeah. If you say he be early, right? That does yep. not mean he is early today to the party. He arrived early right. to work today. He be early means that is a character trait. He's always early. He is he early, early all the time, all yeah. everywhere for everything. He be early is is a character trait. So when a child was corrected by typically a white teacher, um, no, it's he is early. Well, is is a singular event. Is is right. he is early today? Right. It's the exception when you use is. Oh, he's early yeah. today, but not any other day, right? And so the kids would say, 
no, that's not what I mean. But because they were kids, they weren't able to explain or or flesh it out, right? Right. So, uh, so problems there, and then um, the use of um, uh, plurals. So in the and so they. Whoever the linguist was, who was a woman of color, sorry, I don't remember her name because I was just doing casual listening, um, said that most AAVE grammatical structure takes its roots from a language in the Congo. And that in the Congo region, I don't know if it's a region or how, how big it is, um, don't use plurals when you're given a quantity. So the difference between... 50 cent in AAVE or 50 cents uh-huh. in standard American English uh-huh. is the S, clearly, right? But right. if you know it's 50, you don't have to double plural it. That's grammatically incorrect. Right, um, right. And so really, really interesting. And of course, that's how they were able to prove that or demonstrate that uh-huh. AAVE is actually a language versus a dialect because there's grammar and syntax, uh, pronunciation rules. Um, if if and I'm not a linguist, so I'll just stop there. Right, grammar and syntax. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I thought like, wow, that's very cool. I would like to know more. But then what would happen is I would learn more, and then I would start saying things like, "He'd be early." Right. I Not know, to be right. cool, but because right. I find it interesting. Right. In the same exactly. way that Ola, you know, right. cool yeah. to know. Is that cultural appropriation? I don't know. We need to restrain ourselves. Well, oh. well, uh, we're, we are here to learn and grow, yeah. to be allies, <laughs> to support, and to mock. And we mock ourselves <laughs> more than anybody else. So, right. you know, I, we're not going to get any trouble for this. Um, we're not a thousand percent sure, but we're also not cultural influencers other than Ireland yes. and Indonesia. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And then within all this, right, it, again, it's, I guess the question I'm asking is where do you draw the line? And, and I yeah. want to know because um, not that I think I'm in any danger of ever crossing the line, but I just want to see if uh-huh. the line moves and where and under what conditions. So have you heard of a show called Kim's Convenience? Yes. I've not okay. seen it, though. Oh, super cute. I love it. Um, it's great. And so Kim's, all this is going to tie together in a big bow, and you're just going to be like, bravo, Theo, bravo. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yep. So Kim's Convenience is a uh, Netflix show, but a Canadian TV series that uh, followed the life of a Korean-Canadian family. They own a convenience store. The parents are from Korea. The children were born in Canada. Sweet show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the stars of the show, when the show ended, and it ended abruptly for the stars, they were unaware that the show was not going to be renewed. And they, and they were quite upset. And they had some issues around white, writers writing storylines for Korean people. And there were Mm -hmm. some things that like they said, you know, the actors all said, no, we're not going to do that because a Korean person would not do that. Right. Right. And what was interesting to me was um, the two of the leads who are both Korean Canadians have 
standard uh, American, North American accents. Yet when they were doing the show, they had Korean accents. Accents. Right. Uh-huh. And so I, you know, okay, cool. You are Korean. If I put on a Scottish accent, maybe I could get away with uh-huh. it. Right. Because I got the blood tie. All right. that That's fine. But uh, I think it's pronounced Simu Liu, who is the lead in the Marvel movie Shang-Chi and the Ten uh-huh. Rings, which co-starred Aquafina. That's how we're getting back here. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, he's Korean, but he was playing a Chinese actor. Right. And then he's a Chinese actor who who is a superhero whose superhero powers are kung fu, oh, wow. martial arts, right? I mean, there's, right. And, and there's a lot of like Tai Chi stuff, controlling energy and, and whatever, right? And I'm not going to yeah. get into it, but why not laser eyes? Um, you know, why not? Right. Why not? I don't know. What's another superpower? All I can think of are laser eyes. Invisibility. Uh, invisibility. Thank you. That's a superpower. Um, why, why not that? Why does it have to be martial arts? But at the same time, then it's like, uh-huh. well, martial arts it, is coming out of Asia. And so, uh, and so, right. uh, so uh, is the issue then perhaps, uh, well, is can a Korean actor portray a Chinese person? And I, you know, it's like, wow. I don't. I don't know, but I sort of know if you're gonna if you're gonna call out cultural appropriation, then you might not want to be doing things that could be seen as cultural appropriation yourself. Yes, that's a good point. Yes, not not to turn this all around on uh, Simu Liu now, right? Um, right. But and it's not that it's confusing to me. Uh, well, the Hallmark Channel was very confusing to me, and my stance on that was. <laughs> Very alarming. I was so, I listened to that episode and I was like, damn, I'm invested in that channel. And I haven't watched it uh, in probably over a year now. Um, but, but yeah, it's, you know, so I, I'm going to say personally, I don't think that's cultural appropriation. If Simu Liu, who is Korean, plays a Chinese character. Um, remember Hilal, Mrs. Baldwin? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, now that one I mean, gets a little... that's definitely cultural appropriation. Oh, a thousand percent. No question. A hundred times a no hundred. I don't know how I feel about the um, Korean gentleman playing a Chinese person. I think I would have to ask a Chinese person how they felt about it. I don't... I, well, I, I would feel like it probably should be a Chinese person playing a Chinese person, but I don't I don't feel like I have a leg to stand on in that argument. Well, I, I mean, do I... My favorite expression. I don't have a dog in that fight, um, right? Right. It. I. I don't know, and it's. It's really not the only reason. It's even like it crossed my mind is that Simu Liu was so specific about um, the Korean experience in Canada and its portrayal on television and authenticity. Uh-huh. And it's like, mm-hmm, I, I get you, and and I agree. Maybe a lot of People from England don't know what the Korean experience is in Canada. For sure, they shouldn't be writing. Sure. Um, but sure. there they are. That's what you got to work with. Um, yeah. Mm. I guess those are the things you have to consider when asking yourself if something is cultural appropriation. Like, who who's responsible for it? Who's participating in it? Who benefits? How do they benefit? And who suffers as a result? So that's not very straightforward. It's very complicated. 
It is it is very complicated, which is why we will never pick the subject up again. Um, (laughs) Until next week, probably. (laughs) (laughs) If someone apologizes for something, we'll talk about it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I guarantee. And speaking of which, um, do you have a who's sorry now or an apology expected? I do. And are you ready? Because this is so good. I might be ready. It's Oh, you're ready because (laughs) it's tied into our subject matter. Right. Very cool. We'll say cultural appropriation. And so it's it's apology expected, but not because I think they owe an apology. I Uh think they'll just be giving one in the future. Okay. So um, let's see. This is straight from BuzzFeed News because I can't remember the names. And we'll just start with. With the Winter Olympics in full swing in Beijing, two athletes, skier Eileen Gu and figure skater Zhu Yi, have been trending in two different social media spheres. Both California-born athletes have been receiving intense backlash for changing their nationalities to compete for China. Gu, who's um, 18, and the other girl who, I don't know, I think she's like 19. Uh, She is 19. Both um, became Chinese citizens so that they could compete for China in their sports. And on Twitter, Suntan said, uh, I'm a fan of Eileen Gu. Oh, sorry, it's Twitter. Anyway, somebody on Twitter said, hey, why are you in China? You grew up in San Francisco. And Eileen Gu replied, cry about it. (laughs) So so funny, Uh, but they've been getting criticism in China for not being able to speak Mandarin fluently, for having access to VPN and being able to post on Instagram when, I mean, I'll say no one else in China can, but, you know, millions of other people legally cannot. And so um, I anticipate an apology when they are too old to compete in Olympic yeah. sports, what, at the yeah. ancient age of 23. So in a few years' time. What happens I, What happens then when they decide they want to come back to America, but they're Chinese citizens? Well, they have to apply for citizenship. Wow. Yeah, and I don't... Resign? I guess they did have to give up their American citizenship. Well, so America, I don't know about uh, about China, but... The U.S. doesn't allow for dual citizenship, but at the same time, they don't force you to renounce your renounce it, yeah, right. And so, and so, I happen to know for British people in the states, if well, British people anywhere in the world, if you you can have another nationality, you can be a citizen of of two countries as far as Britain is concerned, right? but if you want to renounce your citizenship, you have to take your British passport. This is so British. Into uh-huh. a British embassy. Yeah. And you have to lay it down on a desk and you have to formally declare that I renounce my British citizenship. I am no longer wow. a citizen of Britain. And then they wow. say, all right, then here you go. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, so I think I think after uh, they're no longer able to compete in sports, it's going to be, and I could be wrong. Maybe they're going to be like, "Wow, China's amazing," 
But I think after a while, it's going to be like, I really miss Facebook. Yeah. I really miss Instagram. I, yeah. But maybe not. Maybe, maybe they're just going to be we'll awesome see. and have a, have a lovely life. But I anticipate a, we're, oh, we're apology. sorry. However, and so because I'm not a sports person, oh, today's Super Bowl day, tomorrow's Valentine's Day to oh. mark our period in time here. Yeah. Um, I do know that like people compete for on national teams and switch. So the U.S. has a bunch of, of foreign-born athletes who are competing in the Olympics, and people aren't upset mm-hmm. about it. And there are apparently three uh, white guys who are competing on the Chinese hockey team, and okay. they're not getting any flack. But I don't know that I don't know that they became Chinese citizens, and I don't know if you have to be a citizen. I guess you have to be a citizen to compete on the team, right? Right, but um, yeah. So it, it's not uncommon. It's not that these two girls like joined ISIS, right? Right. They, they did something that that a lot of sports figures do. Um, but yeah, again, I think I think the there'll be a I'm sorry, America, that I betrayed you. Probably, we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see in a few years. I could be yeah. wrong. What about you? Who's sorry now? Apologies expected. I have an apology expected, um, and it's it's not related to the topic at hand, um, but it is IBM. I expect an apology from IBM. Uh, in recent years, IBM former IBM employees have accused the company of age discrimination, uh, saying that IBM tried to replace thousands of older workers with younger ones. Um, and now it seems that top IBM executives were directly involved in the discussions about the need to reduce the portion of older employees at the company, sometimes disparaging them with terms like dino babies. <laughs> They're calling people dino babies. What? <laughs> like, I think it's cute, but it's hilarious. How? How, what, what, how does that make any sense? That? Right, but like, I don't know. Why not just dinosaurs? Yeah, I mean, dino, dino babies. babies. It's um, so there's a bunch of previously sealed documents were made public by a federal district court on Friday that show executives discussing plans to phase out older employees and bemoaning the company's relatively low percentage of millennials. Um, and of course, the Federal Age Discrimination and Employment Act prohibits discrimination against people 40 or over in hiring and employment on the basis of their age. So this yeah. is all illegal. And I expect an apology or at least a settlement. So a settlement. Um, <laughs> Everyone gets a free copier. Yeah. <laughs> We're real this sorry. Will, we will be hearing more from IBM about this one, I think. It's kind of scary being an old person, um, seeing that. People want to get rid of me just because I'm old, but what are you gonna do? I'm a I'm just a dino baby. Yeah, it's we live in a land of Logan's Run, uh, where yeah. when you're 30, they throw you into carnival and you are exploded and turned into confetti, and everyone applauds. <laughs> and uh, coming from LA, like, yep, and it's a system I benefited from, and I knew I was yeah. benefiting from it when I was like, sure, it's 20 to 40. And sure. I knew it was going to turn around. And so I'm not sitting around crying because it's turned around. It's just a thing I have right. to accept. It is, is it fair? It is what it is. It's what it is. It is what and it on is. On that note of wisdom, um, anything else before we wrap it up for the day? No, I guess it's sayonara. Hi, I did that on purpose. Oh, God. <laughs> Help us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. 
see you next week. Thanks for everything. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. To apologies accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at apologiesaccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at apologies accepted and on Instagram at apologies.accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash apologies accepted and fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>